you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Check. There we go. All right. So. How are you? Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> we can, so we'll, we'll start off, of course, with the ridiculousness. I, uh, yes. Yeah. We're supposed to have, uh, and actually we'll go personal and then big, okay? Oh. Supposed to have a colonoscopy yesterday because... You know, I, I get them every five years because I'm an older fellow. Right. And um, so I had done all the colonoscopy prep, which without going into any detail at all is very unpleasant because you're kind of clearing out the system so that when they go in with the right. mighty fantastic Voyagey type probe, they can get a clear view. <laughs> so it's it's a weird, you got to kind of commit, you know, for 12 hours to be in within quick distance of a restroom because... <laughs> You're, sometimes when things are ready to come out, they really, really want to come out. I, I live in a house of eight, so you can imagine how that went for me and Gina. <laughs> That's not, well, it's, even between Colleen and I, the fact that we only have one bathroom for the two of us, you know, it's kind of funny. It's an older house and it has one bathroom. And so I, it, it's a disruptive thing, no matter what. So I, I had been called on Friday before my Monday procedure saying, hey, uh, we've added a new thing. You need to do a valid COVID test. And so it's like, okay, well, I just had one, you know, this period ago. Oh, no, it has to be within 72 hours. Okay, the place that I went to offers testing that comes back between two and seven days. And so if I go today, for sure, not for sure, but my experience is that it's going to be back within two to three days, not seven. And they said, well, we have a place that you can go in Avon. And, and it's just it's just enough distance, inconvenient-wise. It's like, I can go right down the street or I can go there. How about if I go with what I already know and go get it done? It didn't get done. There was somehow the backup at the lab. And so I was waiting to see by a text or email the results because I, I, it, it, I tie into a system called baseline.google.com. That is, you know, many of the big tech providers are very much, let's get the country healthy again. Let's get humanity better again. And so Google has done a really good job of collecting all the different places that offer the vaccinations, the testing, et cetera, and being kind of this hub for let's get through COVID. Let's treat this not only seriously, but make it as convenient as possible because all those little weirdnesses that people will use as an excuse, remove all of them that right. you possibly can. Right. Well, no results on baseline, no results coming to me by text, by email. I show up, you know, all ready. Um, and they say, no, we're really going to need that test. Okay. It might still come in. How about if I, you know, I was there at eight in the morning, um, by 11 o'clock, we could still fit you in today. So then you know how it is after you've already had uh, no food for more than 24 hours and et cetera. Yeah. Like, okay, I can go three more hours. Why not? And then that three hours, just as you might imagine, no matter how much I try to distract myself with online activities or everything else. And then, of course, at just of just when I would have wanted to get news from the provider, et cetera, things started to go weird on the net. Yeah. Facebook went down. And, and so, uh, I'm, I, I now, I still don't have my test results, but as soon as I have them, then I want to try to reschedule this thing. And it, it's one of those things. So it's like, oh, colonoscopy. 
it really is apparently a complex thing. They have to have an anesthesiologist there. Yeah. They have to have multiple nurses. There's a scheduling thing. And there's only so many doctors that specialize it. And, and like anything in the medical profession, it's a a difficult thing to just say, hey, how about if I stop by? Right. No, I got a couple minutes. <laughs> exactly that. You know, I, I think I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty clear. No. So I'm hoping that now when I get my test results, I can, I've, I've, I'm supposed to coordinate with them to see, can I get that done? And then within 72 hours of having the proof so that we can do this according to their new protocol. And it's funny, you know, we, Colleen and I are both vaccinated. I actually got a booster shot. So I'm as prepared as I can be. We have N95 masks and that it's only you know, not KN95, which apparently are not medical perfect. You oh, know, the, the right. atomization for the aerosol has to be a, a certain amount of, <laughs> you know, the, the tininess of the particle and however it's made with multiple layers, the N95, when I was buying them, I'm having to look on the net to say, okay, um, any number of places, it's not a known medical term, places can advertise themselves as being N95. And unfortunately, a whole bunch of things from the Far East, they play fast and loose with labeling. So I really had to say, okay, here's one that I can find from Amazon for a pack of 20. Is this particular vendor, having been tested by independent underwriters laboratories type places, truly N95? Or is that just an amusing thing like saying diet on anything that, you know what I mean? (laughs) All natural. So, so. So having said that, sometimes no matter how much you play by the rules, I, I guess I took a risk in terms of I should have gone to the Avon and then they would have it like between the UHHS system. And actually, let me back up for a minute. One of the reasons that I was when I got the call on Friday was, hey, we've been trying to reach you to let you know about this new thing. Well, why didn't you? Oh, we've been trying to call you and apparently your voicemail box is full. Well, I know that's not true because I've seen other things come in and how in the world is it only voicemail? You can text me, you can yeah. email me, all the other ways in which you reach me they, to tell they, me I owe you money. Apparently, you can't use them for something as important as we have a new protocol in No, I, I, that's something that, <laughs> I mean, we've had that a couple times. And Gina works in the health field. And we've had right. a couple times the same thing. And she goes right. off on them. She's like, you know what? I work in a doctor's office. If we can't call you, we will text we will send an email, all the ways you tell us we can communicate. And we right. will try multiple times. And she's like, and I have my phone right here. There's no messages from you on it. There's right. no calls that have come in. You have, you know, what is the number? And she made them call right there. Oh, look, my phone's ringing. And it look, showed. Look, there it is. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> and I'm not, uh, okay. So I got a health story with that. And I'm, I'm, I I feel for you about having to go through all that prep. I mean, I know how crappy, ah, how <laughs> that, that can be. And then having to do it again so soon. Uh, it's, you know. But, See, it, what, upside, by the way, I'm down five pounds. That's, yay. Well, you Apparently, might lose a couple more. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of, you know, I, I remember reading a long time ago, hey, you've got how many pounds of rotting meat in your colon? Yeah. And, you know, just not, but like whatever I do during the day, apparently, however long it takes to process various different things, I really have five pounds in progress. So, wow. <laughs> so I, and what it does give, I don't mean to cut off your story. Yeah. You know, one of the things about losing weight is intermittent fasting is now coming out to be one of the better ways to do it if you have that discipline, if you can maintain that you just, instead of your usual 1,000 to 1,200 to 1,500, depending on your size calories, you go down to maybe only liquids or maybe a 500 thing. Hey, give yourself a piece of Melba toast or whatever else it might be. Any number of studies and a number of my friends have had success with it. And 
I have enough control over my schedule that I'm probably going to try to do that. On Mondays and Thursdays, eat very little. And apparently, whatever systemic retraining it does to your body to let you know that you might be in scarcity mode, it actually does have good results for you become more efficient when you're eating, but also better about burning through bad fat, the stuff that it wants to store as fat, right. et cetera, et cetera, when it thinks you might be going into fasting mode at any time. And who knows if the real now, scientific uh, is that. It's just I know I'll be eating less on two days out of seven. So, yeah, get rid of some <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now, have you looked at it, how it affects people with diabetes, where their blood sugar isn't controlled well with their uh, body? Because I know not eating regularly can have very bad effects on some diabetics, not all. Right. Uh, so. Luckily, and we've kind of talked about this, I really, I am um, taking pills for being diabetic, but in my mind, and I think according to the where I really am on the charts, I'm still pre-diabetic because I haven't lost the ability for my insulin regulation and my body to produce what it needs to. It's just that it needs an occasional assistance to Ooh, make sure that I get carbs out of my system. And so... I would hope that it isn't a matter of my blood sugar will plunge, given that I don't give myself some amount of sugar. I really wasn't during the day that I was um, prepping. I wasn't feeling woozy. I didn't seem to have either uh, physical strength or mood swings or anything like that. So they talk about during the prep, if you have any of these kind of conditions, you got to make sure that you're still taking your pills or not taking your pills, like one of the things I take is metformin, and it's usually with a meal. Right. And if you don't have the meal, then don't take the metformin because it actually can be stronger right. than you expect it to, etc. So um, I don't feel at risk if I started to do that and kind of monitor it. On those days, I'll take my, I take a pill in the morning, I take a pill late at night, and one is Jardins in the morning, the pill late at night is the atorvastatin for my cholesterol level. And then if I don't have a meal, then I won't take the metformin. And I think that that would be a reasonable compromise. But of course, they all say, talk with your doctor first. And I will. I'm not a doctor. I don't want to be boldly he went forward and then went into a coma because he was so <laughs> fucking sure of himself. Right. That he didn't have to talk to the expert. You know what I mean? And of course, I'll to, talk to the expert first. We talked about this too. You got to, uh, when you first learn you have diabetes, pre-diabetes, and you're, you're told to check your sugar and all that, it, you need to be very regimented scientific about it in my mind that you need to know how different things affect you. Because if you don't know, you, you don't have any idea how to take care of yourself in these situations. And you uh, talked so. about that by you doing regular finger pricks and judging like, oh, mashed potatoes is really the devil's tool. It's the yep. one that seemed to have the most glycemic hit, yeah. you know what I mean, to you. I... I haven't, I haven't done finger pricking yet. I haven't done, like, I don't know, I'm waiting. I'm, I think that the next version of, you name it, the, the iPhone, the iWatch, the, there's various different things that will actually judge your one. blood sugar from looking through your vein on your wrist. I don't, I, I, I don't know why, but I'm really resistant to the finger sticking out of a little bit of ick factor and a little bit of, okay, that's really an admission that I'm there now. So right. I'm resisting it and trying to back away from that magic 7.0 A1C to see if I can get always below that just by diet and exercise. Right. I So far, so good. I haven't, I, for instance, just by being more conscious of it, whatever the other things about diabetes, I don't have any retinopathy. I don't have any um, uh, limb uh, numbness or, right. oh, my God, I stubbed my toe and then I didn't realize I'd really it hurt myself. Off. And now it's, you know, yeah, now it's time to take <laughs> the toe off. Wait, what? Right. So... None of those things have happened. I haven't ever had a, I haven't had a blood sugar crash. And I, 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 so far so good. 
but I'm aware that, you know, I'm, I have a 60 year old system and that sometimes it's got a little wear on it yeah. and I am <laughs> monitoring to make sure that I don't, I don't have arrogance about this. I have to be humble in you got a condition and you, you know, if anything, it really makes you eat better. You know what I mean? I'm really right. careful about not so super carbo things, whatever I used to do to like, I don't know, go to the movies and get a whole vat of popcorn. Now I don't do that. I yeah. don't have a big bowl of ice cream, whatever else it might be that. Um, and occasionally when I do, then I don't realize, oh, I guess corn on the cob has more carbs than I expected. Yeah, corn on the cob. Luckily, that wasn't. I had a piece of you know, an ear of corn on the cob and then slumped over. No, I, I don't have that <laughs> level of, of uh, effect yet. Right. So. <laughs> and and it, sometimes, you know, different foods affect different people completely different. So that's why it's good to know. Uh, but Absolutely. I have totally found that if I get a, a good 45 minutes to an hour of hard, heavy cardio, uh, walking briskly, jogging lightly, yes. uh, that my blood sugar, at least for the next six to 12 hours, will be more controlled and lower just by doing that. I mean, to the point where I felt fine. Uh, I did a nice like hour long brisk walk in the morning. Uh, yes. And then I ate some breakfast and then, okay, I checked my blood sugar and it was like 74. And I'm like, holy crap, that's getting a little low. And I'm, I was trying, I couldn't figure it out because I had some eggs and, you know, uh, I was, you know, doing, it should, should have been more higher. I was like, wow. But on the mornings I don't walk, it's, uh, you know, it jumps up. So it, the cardio right. exercise makes a huge difference in that. Yeah. Huge. Colleen and I had that experience. We I mentioned last week, we had been up in the Finger Lakes and we were doing hiking and walking, you know, either the Cornell campus or hiking up uh, waterfalls and stuff like that. And based on that, and actually I'm going, you know, I have my watch that says, hey, you should get up this often, move this often, do exercise this often. It really does help me. I've noticed when I go for my morning or evening walks, of course, I feel better. And it seems to be that all those other possible effects are... Um, the spikes are much less possible and so forth. So it really is diet and exercise are the keys. And especially exercise has amazing curative properties instead of what's the next pill I can take. It's like, go out there and go for a walk. And is there any time, even in the middle of snowstorm, put on your boots? There's all kinds of things in my neighborhood that I can easily go for a half an hour to an hour walk, like almost without fail. If it is terrible outside, maybe hop in the car and go to the mall. There's all kinds of things you can do if you just decide this is the most important thing going on. It has miraculous effects on diabetes, maintenance, weight loss, etc. I The fact that I don't do it without fail is a testament to, wow, I really am I don't know why, but I get involved in things and I and I, I don't think I'm resistant to doing it, just that I like doing other things so much that I let, well, I didn't go first thing in the morning and now am I going to go at my lunchtime break? No, because I got to get back to do this. And right. then, and like all of a sudden it's eight o'clock at night. It's like, am I going to go now? Yeah, still go now. <laughs> but but there's, uh, we're watching 30 Rock and these are so funny and whatever. Uh, it's frustrating plus, to see. <laughs> that, that I found, okay, I've got, um, uh, the, the, uh, one of the other little organs, uh, whatever, I forget. It's, it's blanking on me. Um, okay. Not the spleen. Um, the pancreas, gallbladder. Yeah, yeah my okay. pancreas. I've got, I've got to take medicine for that. And what I found was, because it wasn't regulated, I would get really tired during the day. Uh, and literally, there were times I was falling asleep at my desk working uh, just because the, my pancreas was out of whack started taking medicine and it helped a lot. But then 
I was still getting tired and working at home. It's like, oh, I'll go lay down and take a nap. So half hour, 45 minutes. And I felt better. I'm like, okay, I can work. If I try and work through it, I don't get anything done. Well, right. now I've discovered if I'm wasting an hour doing that, instead I do an hour walking in the morning and then I'm not tired throughout the day. You so, don't hit that wall. Yeah, exactly. it helps with that okay. also. So I'm wasting an hour either way, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. And hopefully not only when you're walking, you're not wasting, you're actually doing good things to your body. Yeah. You're building yeah. Your reserve of yeah okay. You know, but you know, I, I got Ending this to-do list, things to do. <laughs> right. I so hear you. Let me okay. ask, I don't, I haven't heard or known about this baseline from Google. That's one of their million apps. <laughs> what exact, you know, tech wise, uh, geek wise, what, what does it ties into your record? So it's all in one place. Exactly. Like when you go on, you know, you, you log in with Google or any number of other um, logons. So it's secure. You give yourself a name and a password and so forth. And then it, uh, it, ha you give it permission to access HIPAA records and to post HIPAA type records, um, it has it's a huge clearinghouse, a huge accumulator of all the various different places in your area for where they're offering COVID vaccines, COVID tests, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, it, it really was a good discovery way back when when Colleen and I were seeking our first vaccinations. And this was February, March of this year when they were first becoming available. Well, what did we do? We logged on to any number of different drugstores and health sites. You know, we went to Cleveland Clinic and UHHS and Metro, as well as in our area, we have Walgreens and uh, Rite Aid and CVSs and all, uh, every one of those, we were like, okay, do you have any? And what's the appointment? And um, you had to kind of be your own coordinator of all of that. And it got to that weird, frustrating point of, okay, I finally got a appointment at Cleveland Clinic. And within seconds, I said, well, let's get one for Colleen. Nope, that week was all gone. So then we had to, you know, us getting our first vaccines were me ahead of her by a week. And it was kind of cool because then I learned, well, here's the protocol. Here's how you park the car, walk to this place, get in this line, sign up, make sure yeah. you're who you are. So I was able to walk her through that instead of both of us having to kind of figure that out. So just out of being a, you know, a, a helper guy, I was able to make it easier on her. But the best thing would have been we both got shots at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? As, as a couple living together, you want to make sure. Sounds like a rom-com. Really, really. And I think, you know, I want her to be even safer than I am. I mean, that, there's just something in me that yeah. says, protect yourself first, you know, even though the airplanes have put your own mask on first. Anyway, so baseline now seems to have accumulated all the various different places. And so you go on as if you're looking for, hey, I want to get dry cleaning. How far are you willing to go? And it has, you know, one mile, three mile, five, whatever else it might be. It gives you the list of um, who within closeness and then you, you can investigate as to what times are available for them for the various different things you might need for vaccination. I, I think that it's it sometimes it has listed and what one do they offer. So if you've had nowadays Pfizer versus Moderna versus um, Johnson & Johnson and you want to get a booster like I did, you want to get within the same family. For a while they were investigating that maybe getting from two different providers might give you a better combination of mRNA versus the other standard vaccine. Having said that, no, I went with Pfizer and got a third one. So my effectiveness faded over the course of the months is now back up from 64 to 98 or whatever else it might be. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I just made up numbers. I think it really is something like 64 Yeah, to I think 80. that's pretty close. Okay. And, and they're always give or take 3% or whatever. So <laughs> Of course. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so I'm 101% effective. But anyway. <laughs> so then, then, you know, just that. You can easily make an appointment a number of places for um, 
vaccines a number of places now that you can just walk in and it lets you know what what places have it available for covid testing they still want you to make an appointment so that you don't even get out of your car you go through the drive-through they have you know the little thing where they hand you the stuff your mask their mask you take your mask off in the car especially because if you're getting covid tested there's more worry well why are you getting tested yeah you be evidence in covid then don't touch me breathe on me etc you do the swap thing it seals in a little uh a test tube they send it off to the lab and like I said, that's where I got snagged yeah. is that before it had been like near instant turnaround and I immediately got something. I think it was to both email and text because you can supply those ways of contacting you if you'd like. And they were happy to say, yeah, you're negative. Um, I got that because I had had a bad cold uh, right. maybe like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. But their symptoms are so similar that you're like, oh, no, efficacy is fading. Did I really come in contact with the monster? And are the, you know, are, are the little right. monsters now in me, et cetera, et cetera. Luckily, all that is now baseline Google collects all that information. And then it's also you can go there and say, what are the results of your test? And um, if you had to not only have your stamped physically vaccinated card, but also proof that you had your COVID test, you can bring that up on your phone and say, yes, this thing, like uh, right aid is who I went to and PWN health, you know, owning health, haha, it, it, you know, for all of us gamers, um, they are the, they're the lab that they send things to. And when I was trying to um, expedite that yesterday, I actually sent an email to them. You know, hey, I got a colonoscopy in a couple hours. If you really have this test, but just, you know, please expedite if you can. No, by the end of the day, someone had sent me something back saying, thanks for your ID and all that kind of stuff. But we it'll get to you when it gets to you. Our current lab is back up to where it's five to seven instead of two to seven. So fuck me, because I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I did the, I did a, I, uh, Colleen was um, a little um, pissed at me because I should have gone with the for sure within the UHA system turnaround. Why not drive to Avon? And yet I had been given the false hope of, well, last yeah. time I got back to just a day. And this is like two minutes away instead of 20. And so for that small inconvenience, I I thought I made a good, at the time with the information that I had, I made a good right, right. turnout. And, and so it's like, and, and it's funny, she was... Um, uh, she was pissed, but I was even more pissed because I'm the one that has to go through the colonoscopy. <laughs> you got to drink that garbage you know I mean? again. <laughs> so, and that, you know, and it's funny. I just, I, I had an overreaction to what Colleen said because it was kind of like the false accusation. You know what I mean? Why are you pissed when I'm the one that should be pissed? Right. And, yet, and yet there was a little bit of disruption to her schedule. You know, she goes right. there with you and is the Drive one to drive you. you back, but you're not supposed to operate heavy machinery. <laughs> and, and so I don't know. Now with a day's perspective, I'm, I'm less, um, if anything, why was I was I why now was I pissed? Because hey, I hadn't had anything to eat for a while. I must have had that yeah. angry. But I just it so having but, said but all it, that. But it's I'm also hoping... <laughs> we've gotten I mean, we've been hammered with this for almost two years now. It wears on you, you know. So it really, does. it really can when you have to deal with it, tempers yeah. can easily fly. And it's not, you know, anybody's real fault. It just so That's okay, right. here, let me tell you a story. And I'm not trying to bash medical professionals today. My mother was a nurse. My okay. wife is works in a doctor's office. Um, so I'm really not bashing them. I think most of them, for the most part, are good. My problem is, like you may have discovered, unfortunately, a lot of the office workers, not the trained professionals, it's a lot of time the office workers that have this attitude of, you know, we don't care, you know, uh, about Honestly, people. Uh, I totally agree. So much of my problem with the various different systems has not been with the quality of the medical care. It's been with the schedulers and the 
gateway people. Yeah. That it's it's just weird how much like this really matters to me, and I can't believe that it it doesn't matter. You're the face of the company in so many exactly. different ways. I, I have had really frustrating things with getting various different tests done as I've discovered I might or might not have various different conditions and how many times I've had to reschedule because they didn't do it right. right. They had me at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. It's like, how? How can you do that? There's got to be, don't you have a checklist that you yeah. follow to make sure that all is well? I shouldn't have to follow up two and three times to make sure that it's really right. happening. And that's, uh, you know, you mentioned them saying, oh, well, we tried to get a hold of you and we couldn't. Uh, yes. It's like, come on, with today's <clears throat> tech, I know my phone for the next 10,000 times, there might be one that it doesn't ring right. That it and somehow doesn't get through. Even then, send a text and it will sit in the cloud until it connects to my phone and suddenly it'll ping. I know it does yeah. that. And I know I can get email. I control the damn server. So I know it's work. You know, that's that type exactly. of stuff. And also, I'm invested in a company called Twilio that does all the email prompting. Like, if you're trying to get a haircut, it'll say, hey, your chair's not open. Come on in. Right. In the time of COVID, there's been a whole bunch of embrace of that. When I go to the doctor, I don't just march in. It says, please sit in the parking lot until we're ready for you. And it does all that management of your schedule via the texting. And so it's like, so how come you couldn't do that for this? Right. You have everybody else in your office. The barbershop oh, does it. Exactly. I, I look over right here. I've got a message email from Twilio because our company uses Twilio. Yes, uh, exactly. See, so. so let me tell you this story just happened yesterday. Uh, and it, it's and some of the tech helped. So last night, this lady comes in to the doctor and you and I talk about health and trying to keep ourselves healthy. Not everybody cares or does that. All they have to do is eat a little better and exercise and their health would be better, but they don't. I don't know if this lady's like that or she really had other conditions. I was just, that's a general comment. I'm not saying, uh, mm -hmm. but she came in and had in a wheelchair, can't walk. She has bad circulation in her legs and her feet are swollen. And uh, she mm -hmm. had to come in. She comes in like every three weeks for a doctor's appointment. Well, I love some of our services. We have Parta, we have dial a ride. We have all these services to get people back and forth between their medical appointments. Right. Well, she came in and had to wait for an appointment, which does not happen very often at this doctor's office. I'll give them that. But you, you know, back in the day, you know, 80s, 90s, how long did you sometimes, two hours, three hours? You Mad know? Magazine used to feature cartoon after cartoon yeah. about the interminable way right. doctors. Yeah. And now it's changed a bit because people fought back. And I think the tech is helping with that because you, you can rate doctors, you can leave messages and people see it. And so I think, you know, tech does help with that. So this lady came in, well, it hit five o'clock and she's just getting her doctor's appointment. And the dial -a ride guy said, well, I'm done. And they left. Uh, and right. They couldn't wait. Ugh. This lady is stranded. She has no car. She has no family in the area. She's not married, has no kids, doesn't have family in the area. Right. She's stuck. Uber is not wheelchair friendly until you find well, a very specific. So okay. my wife says, well, we need to help this lady. So they tried to call dial -a ride They tried to, in dial -a ride the, the, she talked to the poor kid on the phone and the kid's like, I, I don't know what to tell you. And, and my wife said, then give me your manager. I want to talk to someone higher up. Right. So she got this man. The manager's basically, oh, well, yeah, okay, I understand. There's nothing we can do, so she'll just have to take care of it. And he hung up on her. Overnight in the doctor's office. Yes. Pull up my come yeah. on, come so on. So <laughs> my wife starts flipping out a little bit. And she said, well, if you're still here when I get off, 
I'll take you home. And her boss said, you can't do that. That's a liability. If you would get in an accident or something would happen to her, the whole office could get sued. You can't do that. My wife said, well, then I will clock out. And she goes, looks at the lady. I'm going to Bob Evans after this. We could probably meet there. You know, she's like, (laughs) you can't stop me if I'm on one time. So she goes, I'll tell you what, let's try Uber. Gina had not used Uber. She downloaded the app on her own phone, found an Uber, paid for it herself out of her pocket, not the office, not this lady. This is, you know, the lady said, I'll pay you, whatever. This Uber guy shows up. Gina goes and talks to him, says, look, she's in a wheelchair. We can fold it up, put it in the trunk, help her in. She is mobile. She just uh, might need a little help. The guy said, okay, no problem. You know, you can put it in the trunk. She says, great. Let me go get her. Walks in and the guy took off from Uber. Now, here's where tech comes in because she (laughs) went, oh, really? You know, and made a note. Zero star rating. Describe what bastardy thing he did. Exactly. I know these people live off those stars and it hurts them. So he just screwed himself because the power's in people with tech. So uh, Gina actually ended up taking this lady home because there was no one to do it. Nobody around. And the lady was appreciative uh, and, you know, said, I'll give you the money for the Uber. And, you know, but, oh, man, my wife was flaming. She was said, I'm going in there today. I'm calling dial right. I'm calling Uber. I'm getting. And but you can't do this. You know, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> but uh, looking at the geek uh, tech side of it, what would you have done back in the day in our area? We don't really have taxi cabs out here. Part of right. it does, you know, Uber is definitely a lifesaver in certain situations like this, you know, tech. Absolutely. You, you know, know, so I'll tell you, one of the things I wanted to segue our talk into today was yes. like, we have so much change the world in terms of what we think are acceptable levels of service. Yeah. You know, and that, if you will. So before COVID, we were getting to Amazon offers one day delivery for many for or at least you know sometimes like within the same day which yeah. is just mind-boggling their logistics had gotten so mighty that they were able to do that with the replacement of their warehouses and their multiple distribution centers but then unfortunately that puts pressure on the entire industry to start doing that even if they don't have the logistics systems and so you've got this weird expectation of I can order anything in the world and it can be on my doorstep in one or two days max and people getting actively pissed because I'm the guy that used to go to the mall on Christmas Eve. Now I'm just going to order it on Amazon. No worries. Oh, it didn't arrive in time. It's your fault, Amazon, instead yeah. of, no, you're the same lazy, procrastinating jerk that you've always <laughs> been, but now you have somebody to blame. But that overall thing of starting to think that the whole world is any food can be delivered, any person can be delivered. It's so dangerous. It's, it's, it really is that we've, and uh, I really say this, luckily, COVID has made us back off of that. There's all kinds of things that we've had to, rearrange our minds as to it never should have gotten to that point of those right. expectations there they've been unreasonable for a long time and the pressure on prices the pressure on people working the whole gig economy philosophically was filling in all the gaps that reasonable business plans couldn't handle because someone was willing to go that extra mile that to the curb if you will and now that that's having to drive up because there's additional risk involved there's you can't make enough money um whatever the price that was uh, the the pressure from above and the pressure from below was making it that all those meal delivery people, all those people, people, uh, delivery people were like, wow, this is just not worth. I'm, I'm like shaking with tension by the end of the day. And my day is eight, 12, 16 hours, not 
the protection of having been formerly unionized and whatever else it might be. So I want us to be backing off of that. But then how many times do you read the latest news story of someone is not going to let go of that expectation. They demand things. I want it free and I want it now and I want it perfect. And there's actually a great internet book that came out early in the era of the net called Free, Perfect, and Now that said you can have two out of three. Right. There's no way you can do all those various different things. And sometimes we've talked about this even personally. The pursuit of excellence is very reasonable. The pursuit of perfection almost never really works. <laughs> the cost of getting from excellent to perfect is usually just uh, on the basis of diminishing returns, not sustainable, not reasonable. And yet people just decide to stamp their little feet and say, I want a very specialized dinner and I want it delivered, you know, within 15 minutes. And and the fact that you start to have people like punching people in stores or shooting them because you can't tell me to right. get in line, wear a mask, uh, treat other people like reasonable human beings. It's just there's been a weird deterioration of yeah. a raise in expectations, a deterioration of like patience and decency about. And so now there's all kinds of signs being posted at various different restaurants saying we're short staffed. The people that are working here are under incredible pressure to be doing these kinds of things. Don't be the don't be the jerk. Yeah. Don't be the ass restaurants that's come in here and pound on the counter. Instead, be very appreciative that we're still open at all. And restaurants are, are pushing back. Big Absolutely. Time. And you know, and it's the expectation is, like you said, uh, people order something they want it now. Well, you if you want something handmade, it's going to take them a while to make it. And, and the expectation is, well, why don't I have it tomorrow? Well, because I've got 300 handmade orders. Well, then I want to cancel because you can't get it to me tomorrow. And there's a lot of people with the writing of books that are the same way that, yeah. uh, you know, it takes a while to write a hundred thousand words and get them to sound good. And people are like, well, I just read your book that came out yesterday. Where's the next one? I'm working on it. You know, exactly. And, uh, let me rush it out. Well, this book sucks. Well, cause you wanted it a week ago, you know, and people don't, you can't always expect that music, you know, kids, they don't buy albums like, well, I only like this one song. So what's the point in making a nice uh, concept album or making right. songs that, that are flow from song to the other. Yeah. Exactly. You, you only make the hits. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing, you know, um, so Etsy, Pinterest, other various different places like that, they're absolutely besieged by that because like to the world, you shopping at Amazon versus you shopping at Etsy is very similar. I wander around, point at things, say, put it in my cart, go buy. And they don't realize that it's not a book sitting on a shelf ready to be put into a box and shipped to you, that it might actually be what you just said, that there's no inventory of this. It's that you're ordering this customized thing for your wife's birthday to have her name printed on it to be done. And it, the, the people that are doing Etsy are, I think, getting better and better about managing, again, those expectations, the time frames. But in some cases, they get overwhelmed. This is a very personal story. So I found a cool puzzle that was, you know, solve it each day, kind of a tangram thing. And what, from what I understand, Dragonfjord, the site, was somehow it had that wonderful internet explosion of we were selling like 100 a day, but then influencers like Crazy Al put this out there. And then all of a sudden we saw a thousand orders a day and they're not geared up for that. They're like doing things under kitchen counters to right. pack it up and send it out. And even to like to do the wood burning of it, if you will. So there's understandable problems like that. But the fact that all the users have the exact same interface as to whether it's a, a, a handwritten thing, a, uh, a, sorry, you know, 
a handcrafted thing, right. a new song, whatever else it might be, people have to be better about understanding that because it's got a website in front of it, it isn't all the same kind of thing. And I don't know, I just, I think that it isn't only a matter of up production. It's a matter of everybody sitting back and saying, you know, we just have to learn some patience and be oh. aware that not everything is a commodity. Not everything is on a shelf waiting, waiting to come to you. Right. I just and, read about post service is going to be slowing things down. I was just going to say so what are we going to do for our Christmas cards? Not send them out December 15th, but shoot at getting them out December 1st. And we have advent calendars that we'd like to send out that has to be there by December 1st. Not sent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Build in the altered expectations so that you'll still get a reasonable experience, even if you know the system isn't what it once was. Yeah. And maybe it won't ever gear back up to that because some of those costs, the cost benefit ratio was never sustainable. But there's that race to the top and a race to the bottom that drives people kind of in and out of business. Because once somebody does it, everybody has to up their game, even if the thing that they've done to, to change themselves is not the smartest thing to have done, but they did it first. And I don't know, it's, right. I want everybody to become a wiser consumer and a wiser producer so that we and, kind of get to what's reasonable. And, you know, and, you, know <laughs> you probably know people like this and you hear people like this, that it's like the only thing they ever talk about is something to complain about, that everything's a problem. Oh, everything's so you, you got these people now that are like, well, I ordered something two days ago and it's still not here. Do you remember the, the you know thirty years exactly. ago, folks? <laughs> See, Colleen, you know, like so, we we actually after having had the initial bruising of you know, hey, what's going on with the colonoscopy? We then had a conversation about that. That the COVID weirdness has put us under pressure without knowing it. Our cortisol levels are up. That we everybody is touchier, including us too. And that I, I don't know. I I need I I try to always be gentle in what's going on and to like, if I'm going to mock something, it really deserves mockery, not just because I need to get some venom out or something like that. You got to master yourself and then look to the rest of the right. world to see what the reasonable expectations are. And there's nobody that I want to be gentler with and more decent with than Colleen. And yet you can tell that once in a while, it's just, she's had four bad phone calls in a row. I've had four bad frustrations over this should be better. Yeah. I, I talk about it, what really bothers me more than anything else is not, oh, I had a, a bad thing. It's that this bad thing has been like this for a year. Nobody else is seeing this systemic problem. Nobody else is working on that shouldn't just be the new way of doing it. It should. It could be better with just the tiniest tweak. Like, I don't want to write the complaining letter. I want to write, you know, I know a little bit about systems and logistics and et cetera, et cetera. Maybe one thing you could do is this. I don't know. It's just in me to be helpful instead of scornful. Right. And yet sometimes yeah. that falls on deaf ears too. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> it gets rough to sustain. You, you got to let some pressure out occasionally with all of this. Yeah. So we're talking tech, talking how our expectations and uh, all of that. And you mentioned there was a disruption in the world that you we are, were waiting for. Yeah, this is the episode for segues. It well is. played, Stephen. Exactly. <laughs> so as as the whole world kind of knows, Facebook went dark for yep. a while yesterday. I've seen estimates of five to seven hours, and that's about right based on its experience in the whole world. And even if you bring it out, it takes a while for all the various different server yeah. farms. And so from what I understand, it really was um, human error. Um, you know, Facebook... Um, works because there are servers that um, supply Facebook to all the world. Servers run on a thing called DNS, domain name service, that says when you put in, you know, the internet isn't Facebook.com, it's 162.186. Yeah. Whatever else it might be, there's a, a four 
three-digit character thing until we finally go to IPv6, but that's a whole different discussion to geek it up. <laughs> um, that Facebook, so people probably, or some people know that there are domain name servers, that they are the post office equivalent of the entire internet, that when you put in those numbers, it translates, when you put in this name, it translates to those numbers, and that's how it routes your various different requests via TCP IP protocol or various, there's lots of different protocols that run yeah, the next now, layer yeah. down from this. And that the way that DNS runs is there's not one central mega server. There's a whole bunch of different <laughs> DNS servers that continually talk to each other in kind of an under layer of the internet that say, whenever you get this request, it translates to relentlessgeekery.com or facebook.com or whatever else it might be. And um, there's a thing called, let's see, BG, BGP, Border Gateway Protocol, that is how those DNS servers talk to each other to make sure that when someone does change something, like it used to be, if you will, google.com, they started to add multiple subdomains, maps.google.com, baseline.google.com, whatever else it might be, those things get declared by the, the single node, uh, um, and then they get propagated out to the various different DNS servers. And even that takes a little bit of time, but it seems almost instantaneous because all that stuff is very, very efficiently done. Right. Having said that, if you misconfigure your DNS server and you're, and you're using BorderGate protocol, it quickly gets out. Somebody did things in um, Facebook's server farms that said, we don't exist anymore. <laughs> this number combination does not resolve to Facebook.com. And the internet um, dutifully said, okay, boosh, that thing spreads everywhere. And suddenly, and it wasn't just Facebook.com, um, Facebook and many large sites maintain their own DNS servers so that they're the ones, it's not the internet that has those right. things. There's a, there's a single source of where it propagates from. And that uh, quickly went out for Facebook, for WhatsApp, for Instagram. You know, they have multiple owned subservices, Oculus, um, that all of Facebook's things, Messenger, you know, all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so all the people that run their lives off of Facebook, and, and by this I mean, it, very interestingly, it really shows what an amazing interconnectedness, but also an amazing fragility the internet has in some cases. Right. It wasn't only, oh no, I can't get to Facebook.com and post my kitten video. <laughs> it was, hey, wait, I used Facebook.com as my single logon That's, for all yep. these other sites, and Facebook isn't available, so I can't get into my shopping site. Yep. My all the places that you might have had your identities declared from what i understand facebook itself uses that for like the dongle cards they have when they're getting into their physical facilities suddenly beep beep red 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 not green because it checks the facebook server right. to see are you a legitimate employee and it, the amazing ripple effects of yeah. all that not being available and all the ways in which facebook has integrated itself into our lives the whole world was like, wow, somebody pulled the plug. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I, you know, I've told people, uh, you might too, for years, it's like, well, you know, yeah, you can use Google sign-in and Facebook sign-in, but then you're putting all your eggs in one basket again, and it's out of your control. And, right. you know, people are like, oh, but it's so much easier. I'm like, okay, well, now all your passwords are controlled in one spot, and it's one password to get to everything. Again, a security issue. Yesterday, right. when it went down, you know, people were freaking out because they couldn't use Messenger and Facebook. But then, like you said, they started realizing, wait a minute, I can't get into this. Wait a minute. You know, I can't use this site. Wait a minute. And and hopefully some people said, you know what? 
maybe it's not such a good idea just to rely on one entity. Yeah, exactly. And and again, what if I don't think it'll happen? But what if Facebook just decided, you know what, we're not going to do that anymore? Shut it off, and now it breaks everything because you have no control over it. You know. Another thing that I, you know, it's kind of funny. I really tried when to get ready to talk about this a little bit, though, as you might imagine. First. When it was happening, the the rumors, the crazies immediately say, "Hey, it's an alien attack! Hey, it's a hack! Hey, it's you know, people stealing you know millions China. of and just it, and the, the crazy comes out." But then Facebook starts to put out its announcements, and other investigators, the cloud flares and cloud flares and crowd strikes and others, which of which I am invested because they really treat the internet as a huge kind of knowable thing, and based on traffic, they get an idea of what's really going on. They start to talk about, well, so it really, from what I understand, the way it was solved is they really had to like physically go to their Santa Clara data center. Facebook has multiple data centers around the United States, one in Oregon, one in Texas, you know, that kind of thing, and do a hard reset. Like in this era of people being able to, I can, from my phone, log on and manage a server in Oregon. My my car isn't available because I can't log on because I'm locked out of my own servers. So... They had to go in and physically do a hard reset and bring things back up old configuration wise, if you will. And then that had to take a time to propagate out and get out there. But it really came down to someone had to go and physically touch a box in this era of everything is virtualized. Everything is you don't have to be physically anywhere. No, sometimes you really need that. Someone needs to pull. Have you tried shutting it off and turning it back? You know what I mean? Here goes a testament to back up. Don't just go in and change files. Back up. <laughs> Absolutely. Take me back to a previous version. Know what that previous version won. I have to have good enough versioning that I'm not just hoping. You know what I mean? Right. I, I So I have um, a firewall and all, all kinds of things at home. And But the number of times that I change that stuff is like once a year. Do I, I write things down and store them and try to make sure that I have things so that if I ever had to retreat to original settings or had to retreat a f- previous version of what I had configured it to be, then I can. Otherwise, right. it's like, okay, it's broken, and I don't know a safe place to go back to. So hard lessons learned from the right. previous virtual world is you got to have some kind of backup file, folder, piece of paper right. <laughs> that can let you get back to a known state. Now, <laughs> talking about the rumors, though, Colin said that a day or two before this happened that some employee, like a whistleblower, released a a whole stack of documents into the wild, uh, some internal memos and that, that basically said uh, Facebook telling people, we don't care about anyone's safety, privacy, or security as long as we're making money. That's top priority. So that's the... that's not just a rumor. Okay. By that meaning, the incredible looked. timing coincidence yeah. is what's making these things kind of get mixed together, but they're actually two very different, and but very, both each individually important type things. It is indeed, bear, bear with me, Francis Haugen, who yes. had been on their internet, um, dis, I'm trying to think, like this dis, anti-discrimination team or something like that, that she had been on this team for year or years and had not only participated, but kept pretty accurate track of the discussions that were going on, the, the, the data that was being looked at and the decisions that were being made. And indeed, she released all kinds of, yeah, we know that Instagram is probably harming um, young teens' uh, mental health, and yet we see no reason to change how we do it. It's up to them to be healthy. It's And, right. and same with, as you might imagine, all different election interference, 
um, bad information about you. You name the maligned group that we they have not done, even though they knew that it was happening and knew they should be working harder on it. Right now, from what I understand, their response is nobody has solved this problem, including us. And so sorry, it's just part of it's a feature of the Internet. And, <laughs> and what the Congress is having hearings today because Francis Hogan was just on 60 Minutes and talking about all this proof. It's not a single incident. Right. There's a pattern of behavior here that says there's money to be made. It's a difficult problem. And it would cost maybe, again, going from excellence to perfection. We can't expect perfection from them, but they didn't even try to get to the excellence level. They <laughs> regularly said, onwards we go and things will, quote, resolve themselves. We'll wait for the magic of the internet to make it that people will manage their own experience of what they're doing on Facebook or our various other apps. And that's an unreasonable expectation. We're finally getting to that place of who's really liable when there's a lot of bad stuff going on and there's a pattern of that behavior. And I don't know that it's only Facebook. It is, of oh, course, no, no. all those other people and all those other providers and whatever else it might be. But it, it can't just be that you claim common carrier or whatever the various different defenses have been over the course of time when what your common carrier is doing is enabling boatloads of Nazi propaganda, boatloads and, and of we love guns, what boatloads was that? of I, kill I just, yourself. I, I just you saw a, a study with that. Um, it was something like they, they went back and reviewed uh, the 2020 election and that 80% of the posts dealing with the election, both sides, were from faked accounts that were all from like, you know, one person. Uh, or there's like 10 people or whatever. I'm making that up. But just like there's 10 people with several thousand accounts posting all this bad stuff. So 80% of what you read on the on Facebook about either side was just was faked. Totally trumped up. Ha ha. ha. And actually, that, and if you will, it's not, again, not just a rumor. MIT's technology review did the big study right. of network traffic, and they proved that for, and, and these are real numbers, I think, did I mention this last weekend, or at least I know I mentioned it online, for the um, major Christian sites on Facebook and the websites that they direct traffic to, 19 out of 20 were not run by a real Christian, a real person. They were bot farms out of yeah. Macedonia and Eastern Europe, let's say. And same with 12 out of 16 American Indian, Native American sites. Yes. Um, and, and like 16 out of 20, not 19, but 16, for African American sites. And so the manipulation of those particular groups to try to get them to vote a specific way, feel like just the, the worst of the disinformation. Here's what's wrong with America, and you should rebel against it and make sure that, don't worry, bring in the guy that's going to fix it all, even though he's obviously not the guy to fix it all. But he was all... And it wasn't only for 2020, it was for 2016 as well. And that, so for two election cycles, we didn't learn how to defend ourselves in the war that we're at. You know what I mean? My, yeah. my younger brother and I just spoke about this. We're at war. And instead of it being nuclear weapons, holocaustically terrible, instead of it being boots on the ground and the vast expense, all the second tier powers like Russia have decided that the way they're ever going to win against the United States, remember, Russia collapsed because they couldn't sustain fiscally what the United States was willing to do to stay in power, to be the world's policeman, to have the most missiles, to have the most bases and men and whatever else it might be. And my guess is China is now facing that same thing. They're, a, they're the second power. I don't know about second tier. They might have 
men to throw at various different things, but they're nowhere near our level of sophistication. Right. And you don't have to be Star Wars level. You just have to be, do we have the most rockets? Do we have the best guidance systems? Do we have the best early response and early warning? So having said all that, the asymmetric warfare that terrorists have learned to fight, how do you fight a place that has the most guns? Well, you don't fight it by getting more guns. You fight it by snipers and terror and individual attacks and trying to disrupt the entire system. People who have written far deeper books than my crass explanation can talk all about asymmetric warfare, but that's exactly the war that we're fighting now. And if we don't wake up to, this isn't um, rogue elements out of Eastern Europe. This is absolutely orchestrated campaigns by some central source on hmm, who might that be, Putin and others. Um, we're going to have to get better about our white hats, have to defeat their black hats. Are the people that are... Um, the, the, the civilians on the ground have to be better about saying, when we see ourselves being penetrated and used, maybe we shouldn't be their tools. Yeah, maybe shouldn't we, react. So, okay. I don't want to be Vichy France lives on Facebook. Right. I don't want to be, well, I don't want to have those guys, and they shouldn't want to be doing that. But, you know, there's all kinds of great cartoons about, you know, the world is destroyed. Hey, but for a few wonderful years, we sure added to shareholder value. You know what I mean? That, that weird sociopathic thing about corporations that if you look at mental health wise, we want to treat corporations like people. But if all that person did was pursue wealth, they'd be mad. They'd be sociopathically greedy. And we'd have to say, we're not going to let you be the hoarding dragon of the world. Somebody has to put some controls on you that we don't let you do all the sacrifices you're willing to make of a decent planet because you just want to accumulate more money. Where are you going to go with all that money? I guess you bought an island somewhere and you think that's going to be a place a to retreat to until your island sinks because enough global warming has occurred yeah. that the water level has risen. Anyway. It, it, I, <laughs> it, it, it goes back to the, the, the people with the power know how to manipulate 80% of the people or 98% of the people, let's say. You know, people just don't think for themselves. And it's funny how you'll hear the people that have the military might, the, the companies that want the oil and the military because they're profiting from it, the politicians that make the money from all that, they're saying, oh man, the Taliban are the ones we have to worry about. I don't see the Taliban flying planes over here and bombing Kansas, you know. But then right. we, like you said, have this underground secret thing where multiple countries, even the smallest country, the, the smallest country can get 12, 20 uh, kids that are hackers, buy them supercomputers, and they're controlling our people. And our exactly. people I, our people are too stupid to even realize it. And when you tell them, they will argue against you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, it's, I, it, I'll, I'll take exception to, I don't know that people are so stupid, but that they're human. And what I'll I, give you that, that may be harsh, but yeah, what, what I, what I, boy, I, I think I've said this a couple of times now, but I'll, I'll again, go on record. I used to be so much a free speech absolutist that the only cure for bad free speech was more good free speech and that people will in the marketplace ideas come to the best idea from discussion and so forth. And then I learned about memetics. And this is 20 going on 25 years ago. When I was doing my genetic algorithm work, I also discovered that it isn't that I, uh, the science of memetics, at that point, a just starting off science was the idea of ideas are viruses of the mind. And the way they propagate through a population is very similar to a virus. And that their success doesn't have anything to do with truth. It has to do with 
Are they easily repeatable? Do they have uh, great sticking power? Do, is there a benefit to the organism besides the harm that it's getting of believing wrongly? Is there a benefit of what they get out of believing that way? And so if you, you look at the various different really bad ideas that seem to be running our country in terms of we love guns no matter what, we believe in God no matter how ungodly the people that profess to believe in God are acting. And so I can't stay with all speech, all everything should be free. We have to acknowledge that there are people that have learned to weaponize that idea, the little bot farms that you talked about, the various different iconoclasts and rogue elements. They're able to get people to really hate, to really go yeah. against their self-interest, to really vote a specific direction, even if none of the promises of the people who profess to that have ever come true. Somehow we have to find a way to fight back against that or just say, the people who are good at lying are going to win. Right. They know they're lying. They know that they're using that against us. And yet they become so accomplished at it. And the engines that we've created to allow that to be propagated so swiftly and hit people right when their defenses are down. I was just browsing around. But then, oh, my God, I read this conspiracy theory and it made a lot of sense. And I watched a video and I went down the rabbit hole. And it's just it's sick to see how many people have stories about my dad used to be a pretty reasonable guy and then started to watch too much Fox News. And now he spouts all these bad ideas like he's been programmed to yeah. do so. And, and oh, my God, it's terrifying uh, and yet I'll, real. <laughs> uh, I'll give you stupid has too much baggage with it. Uh, you know, there's too much with that. But you could you know replace it with too easily manipulated or not evaluating and thinking on their own, you know, expand it from there. Uh, there's many words we could probably use, but that's the problem that, and, and we've talked about how many different studies and how many different things that the, the site sociologists have come up with. It's like, uh, you know, people, the, the Dunning-Kruger effect, we've talked about several times. That's a exactly that. thing. The people are too foolish to know how foolish they are. They right. don't have the critical thinking to say, I shouldn't believe this. And they don't <laughs> want to. You know, they're, they're right. too complacent. Uh, you know, it's too much work. I'll just accept right. what I'm told and go with it. But they don't want to hear anything else then. Yeah. Or it's that, you know, the things that are motivating them are, well, I found this out. And if I'm the first to tell other friends, then I get to be the one as if I'm in the know. So that they, there is benefit to them of being the first one that shares a conspiracy theory. They don't bother <laughs> to do their own investigation to find out whether it's true or not, but it's juicy. Right. But it's interesting and it and it's outrageous. People, we talked about this, you know, people love to complain. People love to talk about what's wrong with the world. And the complex, messy answer is just so much unappealing. The quick and totally incorrect answer has such, right. I'm going to make a little meme. I'm going to make my answer appear on the screen for something that's plagued humanity for 2,000 years. But don't worry, this is finally the solution. And, and we, we got to, <laughs> you know, I guess we, based on everything we've already said in the last half hour, we got to give it to where do you find out the truth though sometimes? Because if 80% of the Facebook posts are from faked uh, people, faked accounts, and you go to the websites they talk about, well, the websites are just as fake. Well, you can't say, well, I went to 20 different sources and they all said the same thing. Well, <laughs> it doesn't work anymore, you know? So I, I mean, I'll give, I'll give some people that, the ones that are trying, but I don't think enough people are trying. It's I, the, I try to, and really in the way you said try, to, to be 
not buying into it as readily. I know that I must be buffeted by all kinds of memes and which ones do I choose to accept because I have confirmation bias like everybody else. I'm sure I, I sidle towards things that I already think are true. I yeah. think that what I think are true are not just because I've had all kinds of crap come into my life. It's because I have been a relatively deep reader and have, have exposed myself to other cultures, other a lot of science, both sides of various different issues. And so I think that I am um, not only internally, but actively exercising all the time what it takes to be a critical thinker and a good decision maker. And it's and having said that, how have I despaired? How often have I said, so what do we know and how do we know it? When we ran our discussion group and we really tried to talk about big, big, we, we covered in five years, all kinds of big topics. How does government work? Why are there holidays? You name the cool topic. And how many times I would say, well, the reason that I know this is because I read it in a book and I read it in multiple books or I heard it from my parents, but then I checked out what my parents said because my parents are not all wise. I learned it in school, but over the course of the years, you find out that things you learned 20 years ago in school might not have been totally complete. Changed, they yeah. weren't entirely wrong. They were on the path to being that way. But, and, and how many people we had at our discussion group that couldn't do that? They couldn't tell you where they got it from. They didn't have that little observer over the shoulder that said, when this first came into your system, was it your parents? Was it a teacher? Was it a book? Was it a web video? Was it the TV? And, and, and not only when it came in, how did you put it into your existing map? You know what I mean? How did it overwhelm you? Or was it like, well, that doesn't gel with things I already know. So let's find out more to see if that's total BS or whether it actually has, oh, I got to adjust my worldview because there is some validity to that. So maybe there's something about, I don't know, I was in despair sometimes over, there are people that are absolutely certain and wrong. They just couldn't care less about the rigor of that. They actively refute it. Because yeah. if you say, you know, the things your parents taught you were bullshit. Oh, my God. That's such an insult. That's such a, like, I love my parents. I revere my parents. There's no way they would have caused that harm to me. That's not what this is about. You're, the memes of love your parents, respect them, et cetera. I get that all those are in play, but they're human beings. And that when you when you bump into your, like the first time you go outside of your house and you find out that your teacher tells you something different than your parents, did you tell the teacher, go scratch, you must be wrong? Or did you say, you know, I guess my parents are human too. And so I got to keep learning from all these various different, hopefully wise people, people that have my best interest at heart. I, I don't know. It's hard to know. It's some, there's so many people that sure come across as having your best interest at heart while lying to your face. That's such what a confidence scheme. Any number of situations are I, I, and people that tell you an uncomfortable truth. It sure looks like they're wrecking your world, but then you kind of come around to, they were Cassandra. Nobody wanted to listen. And yet what they said is absolutely true. It's just that nobody wants to hear how bad the world is baking. Al Gore, the Cassandra for our times in an inconvenient truth 20 plus years ago, right? Talked about, we are really um, harming the world through climate change. And there were all kinds of players that decided, nope, can't have our oil profits uh, harmed. And we don't want to believe that mankind can change the world. Only God can do that. And there was all kinds of various different forces that arrayed to like poo-poo what he had to say. And I'd say everyone, everything that he said has not only proven true, but proven horrifically true. We really are warming the ocean, bleaching the you know, we're having different uh, weather patterns, we're having different insect attacks, all that kind of stuff. 
the the character assassination that went on against him and some of my family members were about that that they had nothing to do about what he said but they were like well we don't like him because he's democrat we don't yeah. like him because what, what can a guy from kentucky tennessee i think he's tennessee right was tennessee what can he know it's like how are you doing all these logical these critical thinking errors where are you going to go to ad hominem immediately instead of but if this is true it's really freaking serious you were willing to deal with the ozone layer hole right, right. But somehow you've switched in like five, 10 years. We got rid of Freon and it saved the planet. Don't you want to save the planet again? What happened? There's actually some talk about that. The one Michael Crichton book, State of Fear. Uh, I always love his books. They're fiction. I understand their fiction. Good scientific underpinnings. Exactly. He will spend, or he did spend several years researching his books before he would report and and make a story out of it. And there's some stuff in State of Fear. And this was back, he wrote it in the early 90s. So it was talking about stuff from the late 80s. And you, you hear it and you're like, oh, wow. And it makes you think. Because it's like, wow, that I, yeah, that makes sense. And the, 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 what you're talking about, people just glom on to things and they don't think. The one that always cracks me up is when someone says, well, it must be good for you. It's all natural. Really? <laughs> well, well, snake venom is all natural too. So is poison <laughs> ivy. And exactly. I, I had my one, my, my, my one relative, I won't say who, uh, I, I, I avoid, uh, but will tell me these things. And I look at him like, what are you spouting? I'm like, hey, did you hear that that sparkling water, that new one? Don't drink it. They put a caustic um, gas in those. They do? Yes. Carbon dioxide? No. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, I'd say, yeah, there's a gas in that sparkling water that will, like, eat through metal. And they're like, really? Oh. And then I finally, sometimes they'll say, well, what is it? I'm like, well, it's oxygen. <laughs> what i'm like h2o has oxygen in it and oxygen will eat through metal it's caustic that's right and they look at you like what are you talking about i'm like it's like do you understand what i'm saying here right the <laughs> you same know? advertising that you read the same awfulizing that you read you just used it and that maybe it breaks through and maybe it doesn't no it doesn't not yeah. usually so i just avoid those family members <laughs> <laughs> well so one of the i don't know this one of the sad things are, I think that there are tools out there. Like I really like a thing called the media bias fact sheet. It goes through all different kinds of sources and say, how are they biased? If you will, left or right, you know, conservative versus uh, liberal. Yeah. And just how factual are they? When w- w- do they go to original sources? Can they prove what they're writing? So much of when I, uh, when I write something, like the reason that I've seen people poo-poo Wikipedia is because anybody contribute to it. Well, all you have to do is look at the bottom and see all the citations that say, here's how I came to this because I went to the original source or I went to the ex- exact study that agrees with what I've just said. And mine is but a summary. It's not made up from whole cloth. And so I think that there are tools available and I just wish that people would use them more. And in fact, I have seen some people that are very rigorous. When someone posts a ridiculous thing, it says it would take you two seconds to go here and look at this. All you had to do is put in the simplest Google search for Arizona election audit. <laughs> and you'd find out that it's not really an audit. It's a trumped up BS thing by the company that they wanted to hire to try to prove this wrong. And then still, when they did the audit, they found out that Biden actually won by more votes than they thought he had. But yet people have to be whatever that thing is about. Um, I love being first. 
I love being the one to um, share a new thing, and then I get some kind of acclaim for being. Oh, he know he's in the know. He got he's got his finger on the pulse of America. That when you don't get that right, that there should be the boy cried wolf type aspect to it as well. You know, Tom. After a while, I stopped believing anything you had to write because you were so full of shit so many times. You just didn't have any rigor to what you were doing. And by the way, Tom is not a real person. I just grabbed you know I mean? Oh, man, Tom's coming after you tonight. Exactly. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, there are certain names that if I said them, other people would know exactly who I'm talking about, and the person who I'm talking about would not because that's who they are. They wouldn't say, oh, yes, I've been shedding BS all over the Internet for 20 years but I still get that same charge of somehow I am the conspiracy theater yeah. insider. Somehow I'm the guy that I'm smarter than everybody else. Mulder. You know what I mean? It's like, especially when it's kind of funny, we, we occasionally drop in a conversation that we are both Mensons. We know each other through Mensa. When you see somebody in a Mensa discussion group talking about how smart they are, it's like, you know, that really might not play out here as well as you think it does in the right. rest of the world, because there's people here that are pretty brain trusty as well. And in fact, like you need to learn the rigor of, because you're smart, you're not right. Yes, <laughs> you know definitely. what I mean? You need yeah. to be able to support what you're saying. You need to be able to prove it. <laughs> and one of the things I am concerned about with articles, uh, what we just said, that 80% of what was being posted was fake. Well, a lot of real news, uh, whether it be uh, the Washington Post or Wall Street Journal or anything, that they're using bots to write a lot of these articles and the bots are getting their information from various web sources. So right. if they're getting fake information, they're going to be writing about fake information and the editor won't know any different. And so it's contributing. So You're I see right. that as a problem. <laughs> I worry about that, that there really are bad things that can propagate because they know that there are no, there's an automate, you know, whatever that need is to fill 24 seven news and inter internet and everything else it's created that there's not a human element to it. And as much as people can be fooled, bots will indeed slavishly just echo whatever they've been supplied. And so unless they control what are the internal sources for those various different created stories, indeed, a bad idea can get around the world in the time it takes a good idea to get its pants on. You know what I mean? And, and the problem then is, <laughs> it's like we talk about with marketing. If you see a product, you're like, you know it. You know, by the third, fourth time, now you're interested. You know, by the seventh, eighth time, now you're going to get it. Well, the same with any of these ideas. If you hear something, you're like, eh, I don't know about that. And then suddenly you hear it everywhere. And then it becomes, like you said, where'd you first learn that? Well, I'm not sure. Well, it's because you heard it in 20 different places and now you just believe it. Right, right. And, and that, that, if you will, you know, so Colleen and I often talk about this, like we need to reintroduce the concept of shame. Like I was saying a little bit about the boy that cried wolf. After a while, it's not only that people have to start disbelieving people that have been a continual source for bad information. It's also that the source of bad information has to come to eventually, right? When they see that nobody in the village is listening to them, that they're losing friends over this, that that they're embarrassed by, how did I fall for that? You know what I mean? I, I, man, I've been using this ever since I discovered about memetics. It used to be an American virtue to be the last fool, not the first. The people that like Missouri, the show me state, it used to be that they were, there was a the whole skepticism was revered. You know, you, when someone's coming to town and selling you snake oil, there had to be somebody in the crowd that would say, that sounds ridiculous. That sounds stupid. Why don't you try it first? Why don't you show us how miraculous it is? And 
all the defenses that we used to have about you go first, um, you know, uh, uh, give that to your sister, get, you know, prove to us that you have skin in the game, all those things, we've just, we've, we've switched to another prime directive that says, I love being the guy that uh, I'm going to, I'm going to build my reputation off of sharing outrageous things. I love being the one that makes people angry. You know, there really are trolls that really, that's kind of what they live for. Whatever psychology is going on is to get a rise out of other people, to get them to be like equally emotional and irresponsible and irrational. They love doing it. They love poking people like that. And it used to be that when you'd label someone a troll and you kind of like, well, that's, you just don't want to listen to what they have to say. Now I think it's pretty provable. And so for many people, I, 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 we've talked about this, you know, Facebook is the world. Um, I've never had the opportunity to dismiss friends, former friends, as easily as I do on Facebook, because there's a considered absolute pattern of behavior that they're not to be trusted, that they're actively making the world a better place, that they don't have this rigor and this desire to be better. It's not in them. And so over the course of time, it's like, I just, never want to hear from you again. And I don't want you to post anything on my things that are going to have people asking, how is he your friend? How, is, how in the world is you, are you associated with her? Because she's a nut. You know what I mean? There are some people that are, they're not even canny about it. They're just nuts. And people can tell that right away. Of course, the really insidious ones are the ones that wrap up ridiculous in reasonable sounding terms. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've learned to be, as long as I have a big vocabulary, I can make bullshit shine. I can make, you know, oh my right. God. And um. <laughs> the, the, the thing you said about, you know, bad ideas and stuff going away, but I, I don't know what to really say or do about that because you get these people that spout the nonsense that are the trolls that just throw vitriol and hate everywhere and you get all these people like, yeah, I agree with you. You're right. And that's it. It's like, you're not saying anything truthful. You're not saying anything. You're not trying to make the world better. I just agree with you and you're right because I right. agree with you. And that's the end of it. And yeah. they, you can't, no. I, I, like you said, there are people I don't talk to anymore. I'm not friends with. I ran into a guy that was spouting all this Trump stuff. And I started like, wait a second, how can you say that? Because his daughter-in-law and his grandchildren are Egyptian and he's <laughs> spouting all this stuff about these. And I, how can you say that? He says, well, I love my grandkids. Well, how can you say that all Egyptians are dirty, filthy immigrant, blah, blah. You, you, and, and so now I run into him in the store. He turns around and walks the other way. No longer friends. We don't, Right. Some people that that ego death of being proven wrong, uh, that, that, that you're not their willing, complicit person yes. anymore, that that's that it's their choice. And it's like, I'm sure I have any number of people that don't look at my feed anymore because I have been so rigorous about the search for the truth, about decency and so forth. And that's not at all what they're about. And the claim would be that it's my political views or my social views or whatever. But it really is that their views are so unreasonable that they don't stand up to I, I, reasonable questions. I can't ever be proven wrong. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, my mom used to talk about how one of the reasons that she liked following my Facebook feed was that I had wonderful friends. A lot of my, my mantra, if you will, my, my reason for being on Facebook is not so I can waste time. It's so that I don't waste time. I really try to make that everything I post is worthy of discussion, is 
at least amusing, you know, so I, I, I write little essays and I often get really wonderful discussions going and people will chime in with their take on it, their facts about it, their the, the things from their background, whatever else it might be. And most of the time that discussion is really worth following. You know what I mean? It really is. I love the fact that of course not everybody thinks as I do. I don't want everybody to think as I do. I want to have the discussion, but have at least be a quality discussion. You know what I mean? To not have it be what you just said. Yeah, you're always right. Or yeah, you're always wrong. It should be, what do you know? And how do you know it? And have it be that people, if they get questioned on what they believe, that they don't immediately make it a war and a battle of personalities, but that there's actually the quality of the discussion is what matters. So then come forth with, well, here's here's the facts. Here's the link I can give you. And when someone is pressed for, well, that seems like a statistical study, but I really would like to look at it for myself. Can you post a link to that? When that link doesn't get posted, it really is, well, I guess you really were just making it up all along. You know, 74% of statistics are made up on the spot. Oh, I read it with 67. You know what I mean? It's just, of course, I, people say that and we laugh about it, but how many people live that way. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, oh my God. <laughs> six out of four people don't understand math. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. And and totally that's, I, I love discussion. I love learning and facts and that. And if I say something that's not factual and truthful, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, uh, you know, someone is trying to tell me wrong. It, it, it torques me the wrong way or something, but most of the time I'll listen and I don't mind any back and forth because I'd rather learn something new. What I hate are the people that get in your face, start screaming about you're just wrong. Well, why am I wrong? Prove I'm wrong. Tell me what's wrong. And they're just screaming. And, and it's like, no, that, that tells me you're really not that bright because you can't defend yourself any other way other than screaming and yelling and, and right. immediately going nuclear, immediately yeah. going ballistic instead of being just kind of keeping mastering yourself and being, well, if I was talking to you in a room, I wouldn't be like leaning in and spitting in your face. I'd be like, oh gosh, here's what I think. What do you think? Right. I'll tell you some part of, I don't know what this would, you'd call this reverse pride or something like that. I really believe in that there's a scientific method and there's a way to pursue getting to facts and that when you find out new information and it changes something that you thought maybe for a long time, you have to be true to science. You have to be true to. So when I've, when I've been corrected and really was like, wow, I didn't know that. I hadn't thought about that. I, I have said for a long time a wrong thing and it might not have been wrong at the time, but now it is. So let's change. The reverse pride thing is I really try to say, uh, I, I guess you're right and I'm wrong. You have to be willing to humiliate. That's not the right word to humble yourself yes. and say, if I'm going to be true to this bigger concept of facts matter, analysis matters, then I got to do it to myself. I got to be well. I, I thought I knew a lot about how vaccines work. And uh, a good doctor friend of mine, after having pretty much said, well, all vaccines are like this. She said, actually, that's not true of whooping cough because it isn't a systemic bloodborne thing. It's much more that it is about your respiratory system and other things. And that a vaccine for whooping cough just isn't as effective as other vaccines because it doesn't get a chance to, um, to integrate itself into your lungs and fight off whooping cough in anywhere near the thing that is a bloodborne thing really does a systemic thing. It's like, I did not know that was an exception. And thank you for being 
smart, informed enough to know the specifics of this kind of thing. And that indeed, what is whooping cough? Pertussis, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. That the reason there's a 50% vaccine, not a 90%, is because there's inherent systemic barriers to making a vaccine that works in the same way that all the other vaccines do when the point of entry is different. And so then like, so then I get, okay, now when I have a discussion about vaccines, I want to be aware of, I might need to make a distinction between the various different ways in which diseases attack and vaccines fight back and stuff like that. Uh, but it makes me more confident, I guess, in terms of saying, I know there's not an absolute here, but it isn't that vaccines don't work at all. It isn't that vaccines give you autism, which is proven BS, Lancet study, go to hell. You've wrecked the world. This one opportunistic doctor and Jenny McCarthy, how many people have they killed in the ripple effect of those bad pronouncements? And now we're dealing with COVID. And so uh, anyway, and I'm sure I, it's kind of funny. One of the weird things about having a good memory is I can remember times when I really did change my mind. I was just full of shit for a long time about that free speech is absolutely necessary. I don't think it is anymore. And to me, changing about that is a really big, big thing. thing. The, yeah. the world has changed. Um, video games uh, affect people, and they're not automatic in the way that the worst of the Bible-thumping crowd say, hey, um, certain songs, certain video games, they turn our kids satanic. No, it's not that. It's not as, as statistically simple as that, but... They really have done studies that say that when you play a lot of violent video games, the overall level of violence that you are willing to allow in your life and maybe even participate goes up. Right. And it might be that it's not 90%, and so it's not a plague that immediately takes you over, but it is if you're trying to protect impressionable youngsters from getting worse things in their personality rather than better ones, it really might be that controlling the worst of the violent video, and it's one of those, you know, it isn't yes or no, right or wrong, 100% right. or zero. Everything is incremental. It really might be worth parents watching more what their um, well, kids are playing, uh, having a rating system that'll be able to clue parents in. And not the bad things of rating systems are immediately, then they are not able to access this because rating systems have been used as censorship for a long time. But it's a, it's a tricky, complex, messy issue and we can't just say it's one way or the other, but we, if you want to make the world a better place, you have to think of incrementally what you might do that does more harm than good. No, does more good than harm. Don't, you know what I mean? Don't let a harm continue. You have to like, and if you don't know, at least roll the dice in the direction of, at the time that I made the decision, this seemed to be the best way to go. And then what did I do? not close my mind forever. I kept collecting data. I kept looking at what we're learning more about Grand Theft Auto versus, you know, um, Mushroom War or whatever else it might be. And that, you know, people talk, they've got terms for it nowadays, normalizing. I don't think that normalizing is a yes, no thing because you've seen a certain amount of violence doesn't mean that you're not inured to it and that you just think violence is cool. But I think that there is um, some effect. And so how do you hedge? Well, you know what I mean? Well, There's continually nudging towards good behavior, not yes, no, right, wrong. Right. It's all the nudging and hedging. I, so, I think a lot of these problems would just be solved by parents being involved with their kids, not helicopter parents standing over them with the bubble shield that they can't ever fail. They can't ever get hurt. They can't ever have anyone mad at them. Not that, but 
instead of just like, well, you know, go play your video games and going to the store and, oh, this uh, war game you want, great. Uh, Getting, you know, making better decisions in that regard. I think so many issues would be solved uh, that way. But it's kind of funny. One of the things I also kind of complain about most of my life is that I have a real strong hypocrisy meter. And that I really don't like when I see people say yes and do no. I don't like when I see them treating how what they do and what they tell others to do is differently. Well, one of the f- kids have an incredibly strong hypocrisy and unfairness meter. The first time that they see their sibling being treated differently, then their parents love them all equally. They profess to do so. So what's going on there? Is it out of the kids are learning how to be cunning little, uh, you know, uh, influencers and that, you know, the, the sweet one that has they get more attention or physical attractiveness can matter or whatever else it might be. But also the first time that you hear your parents say, say no to drugs, well, they continue to smoke and drink. Kids see, I can see how all the characteristics of addiction and like harm to self and all the kind of stuff, they're all right there in you. And so I don't see what the big difference is between a puff of marijuana or uh, uh, taking ecstasy at a rave or whatever else it might be. I think that there's all kinds of people in society. We deal with that all the time. How do I, how in the world do I countenance someone saying that there's a war on drugs when we still have all the effects of drugs from alcohol? And, and you know what I'm trying to say? So, (laughs) well, it's like, it's like me and Gina were just talking about this. Uh, I forget she went to some doctor or whatever and she was at the office. And it's not her doctor she went to, but this other doctor that smokes and is overweight and is looking at people telling them how to be healthy. I'm like, I've never understood that. I would, I would switch doctors because you're lying. (laughs) You're not following. You have discovered the secret sauce yourself. You don't seem to practice what you preach. I mean, there are good memes for that. Practice what you preach. If I find out that a guy is telling me how to be godly and he's on his third wife and has had scandals in his past, it's like, I don't want to know how God forgave you. I want to know how you did those things right. in the first place. How are you such a bad person? Right. Yeah, oh, well. absolutely. All right. We, we've been going way over. I got Once again, it's it's October. <laughs> yes. And we haven't talked on Halloween and scary movies. I know. That was <laughs> from last week. That was going to be the thing. So exactly. we got to do it next because week. The things we're talking about are even more terrifying. Well, that's why. Yeah. We just happen to have a couple health issues that intersected with some of the exactly. tech stuff going on. Yeah. So. It's, we, we will. Next time, we're going to apply science to scary movies. We're going to talk about how they did studies that say, yes, here's the ones that are the scariest, the biggest heart rate jumps and the biggest whatever else it might be. If you really want to get scared, there's movies that will do that. Yeah, I, they, I want they, to hear what better and better about harnessing the power of fear. <laughs> well, you know, we we talk so, about they've done it with everything else, the games, the the products right. you buy, and everything. So there you go. <laughs> All right, later, man. So, take care, Stephen. Always a pleasure. Bye bye. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on geek topics of the week.